This is Beyond Governance with Dr. Nimrod Mbele. A very good evening to everybody and welcome to Beyond Governance. My name is Nimrod Mbele. As always, it's a pleasure to be in your company for we are able to, you know, share our thoughts uh, on very important issues across the board. It's, 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 it's one of those days that, that I feel, once again, proudly South African uh, because it, you, there's, you, you never get bored in this country. Uh, every day there's something new, something exciting. And I'm sitting next to my colleague here, um, you know, um, uh, 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 Tabo, who is the technical producer of the show. And, and uh, clearly Vusi has been dethroned. Um, Vusi used to be the man who sits next to me. And, and, and as part of the exciting changes that happens, not only in the country, but also in studio. Uh, let me take this opportunity to thank you, uh, uh, Tabo. It's a pleasure, Doc. How are you, my brother? I'm very good, thanks. Thank you very much. Um, and as a norm, it's also important just to acknowledge those who came before us. Um, I want to say thanks to Shasha, Star, Howard, Fullman, and the crew for keeping us uh, uh, you know, entertained and, and certainly glued to our radios. Um, as always, um, I, I implore you to... Uh, engage with us. Um, I, will, I always welcome your thoughts um, and, and your inputs. Our website is definitely www.highfm.com and uh, go to uh, web, go to the the, 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 the download section. Um, you, you, you should be able to upload the, the the podcast of a previous conversation and give me your thoughts um, on on in terms of what 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 your views are um, and 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 let's keep on making the program as exciting uh, as as we can possibly can. Um, tonight we're talking the value of strategic partnership in education. We all know that um, you know the the South African education um, sector. It's not where it's supposed to be, um, particularly when you, you when you juxtapose it with the the the, the, the inequalities in the country, uh, as it were. Uh, we know that education is meant to, among others, to to address inequalities. South Africa is probably sitting, uh, the last time I checked, uh, the most um, unequal society in, in, in the world after Brazil. Um, and that's not a pleasant place to be. And um, uh, given uh, the magnitude and the complexity of education um, um, in this country, it's, it has to be a collaborative effort. It has to bring every single um, sector um, of, of, the, of the economy, as it were. We're talking business. Um, we're talking labor. We're talking churches. We're talking every single um, civil society organization on board. For they all, always have something to offer uh, um, um, in, 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 in as far as making sure that some of the educational challenges um, are, are being attended to. And be that as it may, every single relationship has its own complexities, its own dynamics. And on studio tonight, um, I've got the pleasure of welcoming Robin Whitaker, uh, who is the one of the executives at Symphony for, for, for South Africa. Uh, she will take us through um, her, you know, the, 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 the organizational view or partnerships uh, which they've embarked on um, throughout the country in response to, I would imagine, the NDP uh, imperatives. Let me take this opportunity and welcome uh, Robin. 
Thank you so much, Nimrod. It's really a great pleasure to be with you on Chai, Chai FM tonight. And um, look forward to our chat. Thank you very much. And by the way, uh, Robin is a medical doctor. Uh, before we, we went in air, I'm like, how, you know, we talk education and how did you end up in, 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 you know, from medical doctor to education? Um, you want to just share your thoughts, which you just shared with me before we came on air? Oh, of course, sure. So, so yeah, Nimrod, um, I've always had a, a huge interest in education. Um, I loved my medicine, practiced medicine for 17 years as a family doctor, loved my patients, really did. I didn't leave medicine because I wasn't happy there. I left because I felt absolutely inspired by what I saw was possible within the education space through this organization. And um, in essence, you know, I don't see them as, as very different. So if you really want to impact on health in a country, you impact education. Um, it's been quite widely studied and um, there's been quite extensive uh, data showing that actually your biggest impact on health is to educate your population. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I might as well just piggyback on, 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 that, on, on that issue and talk about Listeria. Um, <laughs> you promised <laughs> me you would. <laughs> Look, you know, I'm, I'm told people have discarded all the Polonies and Viennas and stuff like that. Um, well, I, I, I'm one of those ones that, that, that had to discard uh, my, my stuff. Tabo, um, you know, did you discard your stuff as well? It's a painful thing. I only had later after making that decision that I, I should have returned them back to the shop to get the refund. <laughs> anyway, let's hear from the doctor here. <laughs> well, I have to say, so I'm, I'm looking for my favorite tweet of the week, which is just, it shouldn't be funny, but it really cracks me up. And um, it's from, uh, let me just find it. It's <laughs> from... Uh, anyway, basically the tweet says that um, we are facing the most ridiculous situation in our country. Have you ever heard of a situation where a foreign country rules our country, <laughs> where a foreign ca family rules our country, where the city surrounded by the most water in the world is waterless and where Poloni is killing us? <laughs> and, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really bizarre situation, but... Um, yeah, you know, talking education, that's a classic example. If Absolutely. you can't read, you're not going to find out about it. You're not Absolutely. going to know the, the challenges. Yeah. yeah. Let's come back to, to the gist of our tonight's conversation. Uh, you know, you are a member of the um, Symphony, Symphony for, for South Africa. Um, could you just tell us more about when was this um, entity established and, and what are these, um, you know, um, uh, business model? Sure. So, so Symphonia for South Africa was established in 2008. It was really an evolution um, into establishment, and it was established in response to the founders bringing out Ben and Roz Zander. Um, ben Zander is the, the Boston Philharmonic conductor, mm -hmm. uh, the, the community orchestra conductor, and he wrote. Uh, he and his wife wrote a most amazing book called The Art of Possibility, and um, Louise van Ryan, who founded Symphonia for South Africa, was incredibly taken by the concept of the art of possibility. She, it was around about the time that the Dinner King scenarios had just come out, and um, she felt really compelled around the, the third Dinner King scenario of walk together rather than walk in front, walk mm -hmm. apart, or, you know, uh, really to walk together mm -hmm. in solving our country's problems. And she brought Ben and Rosanda out to South Africa on a whistle-stop tour, they had a huge number of engagements across the country, really just 
talking about what do you do in a really difficult, really fractured society um, where there are very high constraints um, and you face a lot of difficulties. Do we give up? Do we look at the difficulties or do we look out always for the possibilities? And, um, and it was an incredibly inspiring tour. And Symphonia for South Africa was was developed following that series of visits and it is in response to their concept of symphonia, the sounding of voices together. And so, so Symphonia for South Africa really is an organization, it's a not-for-profit organization and um, its mission is to drive active citizenship around the critical issues facing the country so that all of our voices together can be heard in this country and that together we address the most critical things that we face. And out of Symphonia for South Africa was developed our flagship project. Um, and the flagship project is probably what we are best known for um, and where our brand presence is the greatest. And that flagship project is called Partners for Possibility. And Partners for Possibility is really the living expression, a vehicle created to allow people to come together across boundaries, across socioeconomic boundaries, across cultural and religious boundaries, to find each other and to really start working together very specifically on the issue of education and within, this ed- within the issue of education on leadership capability within the education sector. Thank you very much for that um, very insightful background as to what um, you know, um, you know, a symphonia for South Africa is all about, and 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 I like what you, um, you know, you're parting short um, around the flagship project, which will uh, dwell more in it, um, and 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 may, perhaps maybe just before getting to the flagship project, um, the metaphor that is in use because symphony presupposes that you you have a different voices in this context, but. Mm. Everybody has his own uh, view around how to address a problem in education. Um, it is a question of how do you coordinate all these voices, you know, from a NDP point of view, I would imagine. Yeah. How do we have a coherent and a cohesive strategy of addressing education? And that for me resonates with symphony, you know, Absolutely. because it has to be melodious. It has to be coherent. Um, and, and early on, you, you reflect a little bit on the, 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 the fractured society, which out of um, the, 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 you know, um, fragmentation, as it were, we've got symphony, uh, which somehow respond to that kind of issue. Mm. I like. Yeah. I like, I like, I like, I like you know, that that's, indeed. That's the thing. There are no silver bullets in this sector. There is no linear equation that's going to get us to a solution unless you learn to love and embrace complexity, diversity, and the fact that everybody's voice, even the person who you might not particularly agree with, mm. has a place and a space. Mm. And it's around when we bring those voices together that we really start seeing meaningful results. But meaningful results, let me just tweak your brain on this issue. Um, when you bring people from different uh, cultural background, racial background, um, and so on and so forth, um, there, there's there's element of power and element of power relation. Mm. Um, and, and sometimes partnerships don't flourish purely because the certain um, tenets uh, that brings any relationship together. Um, um, before we get to the flagship project, yeah. what's your take, because I'm an ethics plays a very important role Absolutely. Um, in, in how you manage partnership. Your, your, your approach around, um, as part of the symphony, how do you attend to ethics and ethical issues from a partnership point of view? So we have a very, very strong position around what partnership looks like. And um, in fact, we, we talk quite often about this program is 
is one that teaches us how to move from patriarchy to partnership. And um, that's so often what we call partnership is not partnership. It's power dynamic. And it's where one person has a thought about what they feel is best for a situation and what the remedy for a situation is. And they bring that solution without first taking the time to adequately find out what that situation really is about, what the complexities of that situation are about, and what the people who are living in that reality feel about it and what their needs are. And so um, an enormous amount of our work goes into looking at what creates good partnership. And primarily, uh, a lot of the work that we do, as I said, Symphonia is kind of the overarching organization, but the practical elements of how this plays out, we, we see in um, Partners for Possibility as our flagship project. Um, we run another of other, a number of other projects where the philosophy remains the same. But in essence, it's around how do you prepare people for partnership? And the preparation phase for partnership should take a really good chunk of time. And that phase is around removing hierarchy, assisting people to really start to listen to each other as thinking partners rather than one person coming in with a savior mentality and the other person having the helpless recipient mentality. How do we move people past that phase and into a phase where they really start seeing each other and appreciating the enormous gifts that each of them bring into the environment and appreciating their diversity um, so that's in our in our program. We actually make use of something called Theory U, which comes from the Presencing Institute at MIT, and it specifically speaks to that. That before you can start to undergo transformative change and partnership engagement, you need to go through a phase where you let go of your assumptions about what you think you know, and you embrace the unknown, and you become vulnerable. And your heart, mind, and will become open to real deep engagement with another human being um, and at an organizational level with another organization. Thank you very much uh, for that, um, um, Robin. But now let's now go back to, to, to um, this um, um, a, a, a philosophy um, as it applies uh, in, your, in your flagship project. Just let us unpack it. Um, who are your partners? Who are you involved um, with in as far as this, this project, is, this flagship project is concerned? Because I'm sure listeners out there will be quite keen to know um, how does this flagship project, uh, project manifest in practical terms in schools, in, in communities, in departments, and so on and so mm. forth. Yeah, so in its simplest form, just looking at really the straight, simplest form of how the program runs, um, the partnerships um, are specifically related to uh, two participants partnering with each other, the one being a business leader from the business sector and the other being a principal of an under-resourced school. Um, they need to be in close geographic proximity to one another. We want them. We want people to partner within their communities, even if it's outside of what they typically perceive as their community. Geographically, in a space that actually is their community, um, and the business leader partners um, typically come from a space where they have engaged in leadership tasks of some sort so they have led a team they've started a business they're a solopreneur they're a middle level management they're a senior management they're a ceo retired um so really a wide a very broad range of individuals coming out of the business sector and then from the from the schooling sector we we partner with the principal and it is very important to us that there's that level our theory of change um 
really looks at at how one creates change in very complex environments. And um, in an, the education space, which is an incredibly complex, very multi-tiered space, we look for what we call the smallest unit of change. So the theory of complexity says that if you want to change something very bulky, very dysfunctional, very slow moving, you look for your smallest unit of change. In our circumstance, the school, you look for your lever within that unit that is going to create the maximum change. And then you work with that lever to really impact on the entire system. And in the school environment, that lever is your principal. So your prince, the principal of a school is the leader of that school, and he has the ability to completely transform the way in which that school functions if he is given and the, 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 the right skills and equipped. Okay, no, great stuff. Um, but we're going to take a break. But before you, want to take, before you go to a break, this is what I want to ask you to reflect on. Um, um, you, you, I think you've alluded to the complexities of education system and what the unit of analysis is, is the this actual school. Uh, um, and, and one of the issues that, that has been bedeviling um, the progress um, in school is the labor or unions. Mm. And when you bring in the you know the principal, in some instances the principal is an actual uh, a problematic individual because he's a member of the union, you know, um, and there isn't a, a disconnect between leadership and management because at one you know there's, there seems to be confusion. You are wearing a union hat instead of wearing a management hat, uh, um, but over and above that, issues more broadly. Um, how union um, has has sort of um, you know overpowered you know um, the bureaucrats so to speak uh, an extent to which um, <clears throat> some some progressive principle may not see through because they, 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 they are just overpowered let's take a break we'll reflect on this that issue when you come back sure this is beyond governance with dr Nimrod Mbele. Welcome back. It is now 29 after 6. I'm joined in studio by Dr. Robin uh, Whitaker. Um, she's an executive at the uh, Symphonia for South Africa. Um, I welcome your thoughts, your comments. Our SM line is 34519. Uh, before we went to the break, the, the issue that we, that are, that are raised with, with the, with a good doctor here is the, the level of resistance they, uh, you know that is often uh, noted in schools. We we all know that when you talk about education, you talk about schools. The common narrative, without fail, is that the unions are literally running the schools, and 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 you cannot go by without necessarily uh, you know bring them on board, which is quite a very useful point in any way. But what has been your experience in schools in so far as uh, onboarding uh, the union? Because before you can get the active participation of the principal. The assumption is that, because um, some of them are union are union members, you have to go through um, some of these some some of these barriers. What has been your experience? So interestingly enough, we have had very little union resistance to our program. We have quite a good relationship. It's not necessarily formalised in every instance, but um, as I was saying to you during the break. I think it is so easy to polarize our thinking around entities and individuals instead of really seeking to understand them. And um, we, we've had a number of, of principals on the program who've been active um, union um, members and have held positions within the unions. And almost without fail, we've had the most amazing engagements. Um, at the heart of it, 
if you look at the at the rationale behind unions' existence, it is to create better working environments for their members. And so if you are doing work within a school and within a space where you are really working towards creating happy, productive work environments where you are reducing levels of compliance and tick box and you are elevating levels of appreciation, productivity, growth and well-being, the unions should be very happy with that. And we have found certainly that we have encountered no resistance from the unions to the work that we are doing. We do an enormous amount of work on the program. Um, the program that we run really is a, is a transformation. It's a nation-building program, and it's a transformational leadership development program. It equips the people who come through the program with the leadership skills necessary to engage at a, in a very high-respect um, form of leadership where equality is important, where listening to others' voices is important, where understanding how to manage stakeholders ex- with, with excellence, in fact, is important. Um, and when we, f- we find that when we equip principals with these skills, they stop seeing, they stop demonizing the people that they see as creating problems and they start learning how to listen to them. And you then start to create a true understanding around the diversity of stakeholders that are engaged within the environment and an ability to meet it, to meet those stakeholders better. It doesn't mean that there are no problems, but what it does mean is that you have individuals within the, these schools who are capable of dealing with with difficulty, with difficult conversations, with with people who are aggressive, without themselves reverting to aggressive behaviour, um, and yeah, it it just we very we very pleased with the way in which um, the program has managed to bypass those kind of issues. Well, thank you very very much for that insight. I mean, I'm quite pleased to hear that there is more commitment on the side of business insofar as helping um, principals uh, to, to to change um, you know the schooling environment, but. What has been the, 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 the I'm assuming that the, the principles which have been approached were quite receptive, right? Yeah. And, and what has been the, the position of business leaders around that, that kind of engagement? Um, what has been their take? Any aha moments? Absolutely. Uh, you know, can you take us through the aha moments? Absolutely. So, you know, it's very interesting. When we approach a business for the first time, they look at our program, they say, oh, this is a CSI program. This is a CSI program. We're going to be giving back to school. We're going to be helping. We're going to be fixing. They put two or three business leaders through this program, and their story changes completely. They say, this is a leadership development program. Our business leaders are coming off this program um, with an awareness and a sensitivity to the critical issues facing the country that we, were, we would never be able to give them in, a, in, a, in, a, in a, an MBA type of setup, mm-hmm. a classroom type mm-hmm. of setup. Um, and they really start to see the value around the nation building concept. And so, um, you know, it's important, it's, it's very important for us that we stress this is not about a business leader coming to fix, rescue, save, tell a principal how to run their school like a business. Our principals don't need fixing. They yeah. are not broken. They are amazingly resilient, compassionate, courageous individuals that show up day after day in extremely low resource, very difficult environments, and they lead. 
without ever having been equipped to do so. To what ex- can I just maybe chip in? To what extent majority of people, uh, particularly from the business side, appreciative of the fact that um, you know principals are overloaded, mm-hmm. um, work operating in a very complex environment? Because I think that's quite important. Yeah. What you've just alluded to, because um, ultimately the sense of compassion and understanding um, on 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 some of the you know um, performance issues that we're seeing at school can be seen differently once we, 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 we appreciate the complexity um, uh, uh, which this principal find themselves in. Absolutely. So within the first two weeks of this relationship starting, we have business leaders come in. Our business leaders come saying that their jaws hit the ground when they actually started to perceive what the types of issues are that our educators face. Um, we have business leaders coming off this program saying that the the person, the, the leader that they most admire in the world now is the principal that they've been partnered with because they cannot believe how somebody would be able to lead in such difficult circumstances and remain compassionate in the way that our, our, our principals remain. And... Um, and so this creation of awareness for our business sector is an imperative for us. And when we talk about creating nation-building partnerships, this is what it is. We're talking about helping people to genuinely see each other across their social boundaries and to really start to appreciate how, how, what it is like mm-hmm. to, to live and work in, in a different sector. Um, so, so yeah, just a couple of comments. I'm going to read you a couple of comments that, sure. that our business leaders have made. So, I've been humbled. I had no idea how difficult it is to lead in an under-resourced school. I've learned more about leadership from being in PFP than from going to business school. I've learned how to influ- influence beyond authority, even when I don't have direct control. I'm no longer sitting in the stands and criticizing from the sidelines. I'm in the arena, getting my hands dirty and making a difference. Every time I leave the school, I feel I've done something to build our nation. I am no longer thinking of leaving the country. I'm more committed to than ever to making South Africa work. I have seen the people working in this country. Wow. And I've got hope for wow. the country. Wow, that's beautiful. So, I mean, those are, those are kind of straight quotes out of, out of what our business leaders say. And... Um, it's it's so so every time as an organization we we are feeling really overwhelmed because the, this is a huge complex problem we um we make a point of going to attend a celebration event where our partners speak about their partnership and um there's nothing like that to refuel you to see the connections being made thank you very much for that insight um um robin one of the critical issues i know you've said your 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 unit of change um, or the lever that needs to be activated to effect change at school is the principal. But you appreciate the fact that um, education is multi-layered. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and because some of the problems are systemic. Mm-hmm. The problem is systemic, therefore your intervention has to assume the systemic fashion as well. Mm-hmm. For an example, um, you know, the, the, the district office, you know, they provide uh, technical support and oversight to school. Mm-hmm. There are a number of issues the right thing. When you look at the circuit, uh, second managers who are providing technical support and, 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 and so on and so forth to, to, to educators, there are a number of issues there, um, and so on and so forth. So your intervention, um, I, th- I suppose I'm trying to say, would it not be useful or you still testing um, you know, um, your intervention at schools? At some point you'll take it 
um, throughout the value chain of the education sector, as it were. Absolutely. So we've been we've been asked uh, on a couple of occasions to see if we can run um, something similar, or at least take the district officers through our training. In the instances where we've had an opportunity to do that, or where district officers and circuit managers have started to come either to our training or to some of the additional events that we run alongside Partners for Possibility, and have started to embrace the methodology of engagement. Um, so the way of running team meetings, a way way of really thinking through uh, practicing thinking environments rather than telling environments um, we've seen an amazing impact on the value chain and I think it, it is important to remember that much though we say um, principals have not been adequately prepared for their task in the same way district officials and circuit managers have also not been adequately prepared for their task and so if you look um, At the title of an IDSO, it's an Individual Development and Support Officer, but many of our IDSOs have no idea of how to actually support and develop the principles in their frame in their in their um, district, and um, and so too often compliance becomes a huge way of managing (laughs) the system, Um, and and compliance is not always helpful. Absolutely. So you must have compliance, you must have your governance issues, but compliance for the sake of compliance, without understanding the rationale behind it, or without utilizing the data created to really start making strategic, intelligent choices, that's not helpful. Yeah. Coming back to this issue, because it boils down to performance, I mean, uh, you know, as you've correctly pointed out, uh, uh, compliance uh, on its own is not good enough, even though it's a building block of performance it's on its own, it's not good enough. Mm. But what sort of indicators um, you guys looked at uh, in terms of uh, assessing your performance? Because, for an example, education, you know, metric pass rate is seen as the, the, the most important indicator. Um, that says not, we are doing not something. Not by those working in the field, <laughs> sad to say. You know, Maybe by some people, but but yeah. <laughs> okay. So so what sort of indicators do you look at? Um, you know, because ultimately um, the value of any program, for as, as as far as I know, has to be measured, and and because numbers will never lie. Uh, I can have an opinion about certain issues, but that is my opinion. But numbers will tell you exactly. So coming back to issues of indicators, what sort of indicators or even performance areas do you look at uh, which you can say we have done successful in one, two, three, four, five? Mm. Um, I'll tell you why I'm asking this question, Robin. Is <coughs> because um, I want us to go beyond the Kumbaya yep. uh, type of a scenario where we are all happy, hey, 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 there's this partnership. Yep. Um, any partnership that could be um, massified, um, so to speak, has to speak to the results. Yeah. You know, um, can you take us through that? Absolutely. So, so um, first and foremost, Partners for Possibility as a program is um, has a very specific design around creating leadership capability and organisational stability. It's, it's it's very foundational work. We describe the work as we do as creating fertile soil into which interventions can implant at schools and have a high likelihood of success. And so when we talk about our our program is a one-year program, the work which we do in that first year is very much based on capacity and capability to lead change. 
Our theory of change is a five-year theory of change. So Partners for Possibility as a program runs within the first year. It's a catalytic year to set that school onto a really good standing to start to make progressive improvement. And what we need to track thereafter, year two to five, is the ability of that school to really start to deliver on some of the key metrics, the key pillars of school functionality um, that are that are necessary to, to really start seeing sustained positive improved education outcomes um, and our metrics that we use to measure the specific partners for possibility program are around leadership development so we have um, very specific uh, uh, metrics that we use and then we continue with that theme to really look at measuring the core competencies that have been developed within schools that are going to enable them to progressively improve on their education outcomes. So the most important things we look at, um, and I'll just list them really, are our, our seven top metrics. We look at a, a vast array of things, but these are sort of the seven top things. First and foremost, the principal's leadership skills. Mm-hmm. Those we do a lot of um, quantitative, a qualitative analysis, but a lot of interviews both with the principal and with his staff um, and and the teaching body and the community, etc., to look at um, has that has that leadership capability increased. Um, then we look at the the school direction and vision. Has there been an impact on the vision that the school has, the direction that the school is going, the level of integration um, of the teaching body and the staff body? into that vision we look at school management team and school governing body leadership quality we look at an improved quality of education we're now moving into far more you know the the numeric type of metrics are we seeing progressive improvement in pass rates are we seeing for us metric metric is uh, an awful metric to use the most important metric we could start to focus on in our country is grade four literacy because unless you have a literate child in grade four you can be guaranteed they are not going to make it to matric they may Mm -hmm. be forced through they may look like they passed even beyond the ecd i mean that's the financial phase that's what that's what matters that's it so your math and science at that phase are i mean your math and literacy at that phase are really key critical indicators on the quality of your education system and we do not have any systemic measures in place at the current time across the country to measure those. Mm-hmm. We need to urgently implement something. Mm-hmm. Um, we then look, um, which is very important for us, at increased community and parental involvement. And the last thing that we look at, it's really not a focus of the partnership, but it happens inevitably in almost every partnership, are infrastructure spin-offs. So how good has that school become at um, starting to hunt down the things that they need to create improvement? Um, inherently, if I was to sum it up in two, two qualities for us that we look for at the end of the first year of the Partners for Possibility program, what we are looking to have set in place in the school, in these poorly functioning schools, are the characteristics that high functioning schools have. And in every high functioning school, you'll find two key elements. The first is a principal who's capable, competent and visionary in their leadership style and the second is a community of parents and a greater community that is actively engaged with and supporting the education work happening within that school if we can place those two elements into our school we know that school is on a pathway to improvement thank you very much for sharing that um, uh, uh, thought um, Robin 
I couldn't agree with you more, but personally, coming before I come to the SOAT question, because mm. ultimately, when we do this intervention, um, for an example, you made reference to you know the school direction and vision. You made reference to school management team. You made reference to quality education. You made reference to community and parental involvement. Uh, uh, for me, which is probably a paramount, uh, 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 you know, aspect uh, in terms of the waiting. Um, once you once you assess these kind of issues, uh, I suppose you have a baseline study to say this way the school is over over a five year period, and the, the sort of question: What happens if, uh, for example, you, you you realize that in this particular school community and parental environment is zero, um, SGBs are not functional, they there are always issues around management, leadership, just chaos, um, and issues around quality of education. Teacher-learner ratio is very high. Not much uh, emphasis is put on, on 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 quality education, and so on and so forth. You have identified these issues, which begs the question: yeah. So what? So what? So, how do we equip the person responsible for leading those change the change to start to address those issues, understanding that they are not going to be addressed altogether in a very short space of time. And so, you know, I think what what we see is there's there's a there's a huge distinction between a school where we start working, where really there are some really key governance issues, key leadership. The leadership is inherently strong. They might need a couple of extra things, but our work in that school is to take the school from good to great. That is very different from a school where we go in where it's broken and it's extremely broken. But it has maybe had a principle that's been put into the school by the department because the department has recognized that that school is broken. And the principal has the kind of capabilities around leading change, the inherent leadership ability to start creating change. When we equip that principal and when we more importantly support them and put somebody in their life who is their thinking partner and who's allied to them and who stands behind them in the work that they're doing. Because believe you me, the job of principal is the loneliest job in the world. You can take the top CEO in the world, that's a very lonely post. The job of principal is very lonely. Um, So just giving them that support of a person who cares enough to show up for them is an incredible motivator. And in those schools, success for us might be that your teachers start coming to school on time and showing up that your school governing body is no longer trying to rip the heart out of the school but has started to align around a vision for the school. Um, So small things are markers of success and our goal is not to create miraculous, uh, you know, completely, we're not not fairy godmothers. (laughs) What we're aiming to do is we're aiming to set the school on a positive upward spiral of improvement. So a positive trajectory rather than a school that every year is worse off than it was the year before we want to see a school that every year is better off and this year we may be focusing on the fact that we have no not to joke there is one school in Soweto that has no toilets I'm not talking about pit latrines no toilets in the school so our issue this year might be dealing with our hygiene issues dealing with the fact like some schools in Mpumalanga many schools around the country there is no water There's no water in the school whatsoever. Very basic issues. And only then can we start to progressively move through to create solutions around some of the other critical issues facing the school. And only, it's a bit like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You know, only once you are physically safe and you are fed and you have a roof over your head 
can you then start addressing maths and science results? Try and put a maths and science program or a computer lab into a school with no electricity. You're not going to have success. So let's look at the fundamentals, move through those, and uh, continue on an upward spiral. Wow, wow, that's that's certainly a mouthful and, and thought-provoking for me, particularly when you use Maslow's uh, hierarchy of needs, because um, whatever metrics we use, we have to recognize the context mm-hmm. of every schooling environment. In, 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 in schools where the infrastructure is pretty much up-to-date, then you can also focus on, 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 on what matters for that school. Mm-hmm. What matters for school A would not necessarily matter for Absolutely. school B. What matters in rural area may not necessarily matter for, for urban area. Absolutely. So you have a, a, a blended approach which recognizes the dynamic and complexities of these schools um, in, 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 the, in, their own, in, in their own setup. Um, perhaps maybe one of the issues that, that, that um, we, we may have to follow up um, uh, because I'm quite happy and I'm sure listeners out there are quite content as well in that um, these issues uh, that uh, Symphony for Partnership, uh, Symphony for, for Africa is, is doing are actually addressing transformation. Absolutely. You know, this is transformation in a nutshell, uh, not not just rhetoric, yeah. um, you know, of transformation. This is transformation. Um, the result may not be, you know, because when you talk about transformation, it has to be organic because people have to take ownership of these mm. issues. You can't come and impose. There's no silver bullet no. that I've got, you know, I've been the top CEO of a... a and a, I know it. I know it. It's going to work. You no. know what I mean? So you have to bring people in and, and to work with them. Um, so I would imagine transformation is quite key. Absolutely. And, um, you know, going back to where corporates position us. So where, where would a corporate position partners for possibility when it presents itself at their door? We don't fit in CSI. We don't really fit completely in leadership development. We have a particular theory about where we fit. And it is where corporates start to build nation-building divisions. Where they start to focus on nation building, not as a tick box exercise, not as a cosmetic exercise, not as a media exercise, where they're looking at transformation, not at deep attitudinal transformation, and at really um, starting to build our nation through getting people to walk in each other's shoes and sit in each other's skins and feel each other's lives um, and appreciate, appreciate how. How remarkably beautiful, talented, strong, complex our nation is. Well, thank you very much, uh, um, Robin, for, for that insight. Uh, some of the issues, I, mean, I know we, we, we sort of, um, you know, hopping from one end, one end to another, because none of the, these issues are all um, um, uh, part of the same continuum. Um, what what personally would have been useful, um, what would have been useful for me, um, is 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 the the notion of of social compact? Yeah. What you guys are, are have done or are doing um, provide a very useful ingredients for social compact. Yeah. Um, w- would you share the sentiment? Absolutely. So um, there's quite a lot of studies. There's quite a lot of work that's been done around co-production. And Partners for Possibility is a model for co-production and a genuine vehicle for the creation of social compact. Um, And really, you know, just for your listeners' sake, social compact meaning that we're in this together, best we work together and best we be friends um, when we do this work, Um, that, that, that 
our, our combined future depends upon every member of this country being in a position where they're given equal opportunity and um and that it's 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 something that we do because it's the way we do things really mm-hmm. um so very convoluted but but essentially you know <laughs> just a way to try and make it clear that that when we talk about social compact we're talking about a very deep understanding of bonding between us as people and of working towards the same goal together for our combined best future. Mm. Talking about bonding as part of the social contract, um, what would be useful uh, for anybody who's listening is how do I build trust in an environment where trust deficit is so huge? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think what we fail to understand, you know, in South Africa, we, we so often say, oh, but there's no trust, there's no trust. And I think when you're starting off at minus 30, mm. Understand that minus 20 is an improvement. Um, it's going to take quite a long time to get to the positive levels, but it is something that we all need to be actively engaged in is actually addressing trust. And um, that goes back to that foundational element I spoke to you about with this theory you, that when we, we distrust others when we see them as inherently different from ourselves and when we interpret an agenda for them that's not necessarily theirs, but we assume that that's their agenda, and we then proceed to behave as though that's their agenda. In in obviously they respond with an assumption about what our agenda is. If we can just take a few steps back and first try to genuinely understand where the other suspend your judgment, understand where the other person is coming from, and have compassion for that. Because you may just find your common humanity in each other and you may realize that you're after the same thing. Thank you very much for that. Uh, Just before we wrap up, um, uh, I just want to perhaps maybe reflect on one critical point, which which I think um, um, in my previous life and in some of the work that I do, I I, I often come across um, part of this social contract as it relates to parents and community involvement mm. in education. Um, we have a, scenarios in, 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 in schools where property has been vandalized. Mm. Um, there's no sense of ownership. Uh, and, 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 you know, you, you get the school that says, we need, these are the list of things we need. We need chairs, we need tables, we need, but these chairs and tables are next door. Um, they, they, they are in houses, yeah. you know. Um, how do we get to that point at the very basic level where it's a look, you know, this is our property. We have to look after it. It is not government's property. It is our property which is meant to uh, uh, educate and support our own children. Mm. Um, uh, how, how do you get parents? Because it's a very complex. I have no solutions. Yeah. Um, you know, I just want to throw it out there. Um, you know, perhaps maybe you might have yeah. a, a, a mechanic. Um, that brings in as part of the onboarding process yep. parents and community invel- involvement so that schools or properties not being vandalized. Yep. We buy less because half the time we spend more money on things that were procured last year mm-hmm. instead of saving money or, on, on what really matters, i.e. Let's, let's improve the conditions of employment of educators. Mm. But you can't do that when money is being softened via uh, a damaged property. Yeah. So, so without a doubt... Um, you have you have a huge point because um, I'm not going to go into the history, but basically from a historical perspective, our communities don't perceive education um, 
as being owned by them as and as being valuable to them. And our work becomes to really start to engage our parent body and communities with a sense of ownership about what is happening within the schooling environment and a deep sense of commitment. One of the critical programs that is run in Partners for Possibility is a program called Community, um, the Structure of Belonging. It's community engagement work. And it really equips the partners on the program to understand how you structurally put into the place into place the things that make great community happen, how you become invitational with your parent body, how you start to unearth the assets and gifts available within your own community. We have the most remarkable stories of complete turnaround, of communi- a sense of community ownership, literally communities where indunas have gone away because we've, the, the principal has called a discussion about the security issues and of their own accord have come back and have said, we are going to set up a community security forum. We will police the school because we see the school as our own. Wow. Uh, wow. Parents wow. where they have been in very, very low resource environments um, where security has been a major hassle, and they've set up a system where they walk the dogs. The dogs in that community get walked around the school in the evening between five Fantastic. and seven. Fantastic. So, so ridiculous small yeah. things, but yeah, these small absolutely. things make big differences. Yeah. Unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it there. It sure. has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, for, thank, thank you very much for coming through. Uh, we have certainly benefited a lot, and uh, there's definitely a ways in which uh, Symphony uh, for South Africa is adding value uh, towards this very complex problem that we're experiencing in education. Thank you so much, Nerod. It's been a great pleasure spending the evening with you too. Thank you very much. Until we meet again, it has been an absolute pleasure.